Welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, where we explore what it means to grow daily and find our best in every aspect of life. Welcome back to another episode of the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, and Happy New Year. As we are all wont to do at this time of the year, New Year's is filled with resolutions and commitments to change and all of that good stuff. I will be talking about those things as well. Our our conversation today is about change in the interview, and I think it's really, really relevant. I think ultimately we need to speak to the last month or so and and why I've kind of left y'all hanging, which is was not my intention in any way, shape, or form. Life just kind of happens. Um and and most of you know and understand what has happened. But for those of you that don't, I'll kind of give you the cliff notes. Um, we had a we had an interview scheduled for the day before Thanksgiving, which was my wife and my mom's birthday. And I spent um the 22nd, so that Tuesday night and Wednesday in the hospital getting my appendix out. So I I had to reschedule that interview and then it was the holiday and being laid up. I was just like, okay, we'll, we'll take a week or so and, and make sure we get that interview figured out and, and all that good stuff. And then the following week is, is when things got a little bit more challenging. Um, a month ago, you guys will be, this will be coming out on January 2nd. So a month ago, December 2nd, many of you know, our, our good friend, Trevor Solom died of cancer and, uh, Trevor's been on the show three times in a couple different capacities. He was on our hundredth episode, um, kind of celebrating with us, asking us questions. He was, he was in our episode when we were in Baton Rouge. Um, he's just a member of kind of our inner circle, John and I, not, not kind of our inner circle. He is in our, in our inner circle and, um, one of our best friends in life, just no, no if, ands or buts about it. And, um, so then we had the, the things that are necessary after that. Um, you know, there was a, there's a prayer service and a visitation and a funeral and and we were we were involved in that and, and I think there was just the need for some space and time to to put our heads around that I would say I'm still not anywhere close to understanding even what my response is to that and I and I know you know our hearts go out in the deepest of sympathy and to his family. And I am incredibly grateful for the place that he held in all of our lives. And so I just, I don't know exactly how to speak to it. And I'm anticipating that at some point we will, we will speak to it in, in much more detail, whether it's on the podcast or in a different form i i'm not yet certain but i would encourage you guys to go back and listen to episode 59 his first visit his first 
time on the podcast. The theme of that episode is they're coming off of their season ending competition, his golf team, and they competed at a really, really high level. The, the title of the episode is when your best isn't good enough. And I just think that's so fitting. Those of you that don't know his battle in the last year and a half, like when your best isn't good enough, just sums it up in a lot of ways. He gave unbelievable effort. He gave unbelievable class and dignity and courage to this battle. And in the end, we don't always win. And that's really hard for those of us that are still here. And it's a model that we can aspire to live to. Trevor always, always said, you know, in the last however long, longer than a year and a half, but every time we would get done talking on the phone or I'd see him in person, it was hug your kids, kiss your wife, like tell them you love them. This constant reminder to be present, to be available, to be in the place where you are rather than wishing for something else. And so from a man who embodied so much of what it meant to live eyes up and to, to understand what an eyes up mindset means, he embraced it fully. He was there at the beginning. He was part of those conversations that led us to starting the business and understanding what it was going to look like and how we were going to use it. He was our, you know, he did all kinds of stuff with his team in kind of a guinea pig sort of way. And, and I know I don't have the right words, the right ideas and how to express all of the ways that he shaped and affected what we do on a daily basis. But I know that uh, my job now is to just start. It doesn't have to be perfect. I don't need to judge whether it's good or bad. It's just start. And that's what this new year represents also, right? Just start. Gives us a concrete starting point. And that's in many ways what the episode today is about is this idea of starting, embracing change, getting, getting good at it, right? understanding that it's here and it's not going anywhere and that we we don't have to feel like we have to have it perfect and so um you know if i think about that concept in my reflection time in the last month to me what i need to change in 2023 is like editing getting better at cutting out the unnecessary things. And I have some concrete ideas how to do that. And I have some some thoughts. And so I'm going to walk you through some of where I'm at. And then we're going to bring in Chris Massiello, who was a great conversation. And, and really, he wrote a book called Change Short and Simple. And that, I mean, that's, we're going to get to that. So um, I need to figure out how to cut out the unnecessary. One of the things that I committed to a while back, just knowing this editing process was in 2023, I'm buying no new books. For those of you that know me, like I just buy whatever book somebody recommends, tells me is good. Like I go and buy it. I've been really convicted in the last you know, two or three months actually about getting 
back in touch with the classics or like finding stuff that I know is good and rereading it. Um, re-engaging with excellence consistently. So not only do I have a pile of books that I haven't yet read in my home, so I don't need to buy any new books. I have this huge catalog of amazing books that I know are really good and that I can be gleaning incredible information from. And so uh, cutting out the unnecessary, it's just that process of buying new books. I think in a lot of ways, when I reflect on it, this remodel of the house, you kind of just have to have some extra things in case things go wrong. It's you, you just buy extra you know, whether it's boards or, and so you don't have, and especially where we live where we're not immediately connected to a big box, like home improvement store, it, it's really inconvenient to not have what you need and, and what we focus on grows. And so when, when doing that, like that's just drifted into my life. And so what are some other ways that I want to do that? Uh, you know, there was, a period of time where I did not consume any calories via beverages and it was super impactful for my weight and my health. And I don't know that I'm going to do that completely right now, but I think there is going to be a place where I'm going to have some, some times of the day where I'm not consuming calories in beverages, uh, you know, milk, soda, uh, full sugar Gatorade, those sort of things. Like I'm just going to try and remove them, take them out at different points in my life. Then there's just the more kind of thought driven stuff. I think there are places where I absolutely need to get rid of my phone. It just needs to not be there because it provides extra in my life, unnecessary stuff in my life, specifically when engaging with my children. So if I'm going to sit down and play with the kids, like phone's just going to be on the charger or out of my pocket, something like that. So it's not readily available. I have many other thoughts about that, but that's not the point of the episode today. I want to give Chris the runway that he needs. He is the uh, CEO of the Masiello Group. They work in private equity, investments, real estate. He's a leader is really what it boils down to. And the way that he leads, I think, is really cool. Uh, if you check out his website, we'll link it in the show notes. Um, you see that he does Mindful Mondays with his with his staff and his people. And, and I love this concept, this idea of being in the moment. And I think for many of us, what happens in our day-to-day -day lives, especially in our careers, we get into kind of a, a floundering, if you will, a, a place where we are just trying to keep up. We're just trying to race to the next thing. And being present, being involved, being aware of the way that you think, that's something we get into in the conversation, this idea of metacognition is really important and can be the difference in having an okay day, a bad day, or a great day. And when it comes to doing what they do in sales and investment and real estate, it can be the difference between 
making and finishing a deal or not. Chris also wrote a book called Change Short and Simple. That's what drew me to this conversation. I am I am constantly intrigued by the idea of change and how to do it better. Hopefully, this conversation takes you there with us to figure out why change, why is it needed, and how do I do it in a way that is maybe less frustrating than the ways I've done it in the past. We got better today. You guys will as well. Chris Massiello. Here we go. We are now joined by Chris Massiello, who we've been talking a little bit. We have quite a bit in common, you know, athletics background, um, small town background, sports agnostic. I would, I would also include myself in that place. I'm really excited to have this conversation. Author of the book, Change Short and Simple. As you know, here, we are about change and how to do it better. Chris, thank you for joining the podcast. We're excited to have you. Uh, Jamie, great to be here and great to be with your community. Tell us a little bit about what drove you to a book about change. That is my first curiosity is how do you get into a place where you're like, I want to talk about change because most people want to avoid change if at all possible. You went towards that fight. That's something I'm excited about learning about how, what, what made you go towards it because most of us are like, nah, I pass. Yeah, well, I think it's our natural inclination to avoid change, and and as I always tell everybody, we 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 kind of as a species, we kind of come by it naturally because yeah. um, in um, you know our fight or flight instincts are are really ingrained in us. So at a time when the environment around us was you know, our, our external environment was a little more tre treacherous, when uh, there is a change in environment, we're, if we're outside in the woods, let's say you know, and and um, the wood, the woods went silent or, you know, birds flew or whatever the case may be, you know, typically that might've meant danger. And so, so change our, our adversity to change, uh, we all come by it, come by it very naturally. And, but today's, you know, we're in a different time period. So, so we don't have the same external threats. And, and so I think in the past, and, and you can put the past in all sorts of different time frames, a hundred years, a thousand years, right? But, but we, we used to have to scan for threats first, opportunity second. Today, we have the opportunity to scan for opportunity first and threats second. And, but our minds don't know the difference between, you know, uh, you know being chased down by a saber-toothed tiger or having to sit next to your mother-in-law at Thanksgiving dinner that you don't yeah. want to. Our minds don't know the difference. And yeah. so... So we have to, and I think kind of goes to the, um, to the discipline of, of really being able to discipline our minds about understanding about, well, what's the real threat? What isn't, um, and, and what, uh, uh, where, where opportunity lies and, and, you know, you, you, I think you kind of said it well, you know, from, from my point of view, when, when we're, when we're challenged by something, it doesn't matter what it is, but when we're challenged by something, and maybe we're a little afraid or we're a little intimidated. That's really, that's our marker to run towards it. Yeah. Not run away from it. I love it. And that is counterintuitive until you train the brain otherwise. So 
talk to us. I, I was watching some of the content on your website and you you do mindful Mondays, which I love. It seems like it's something you guys do for your company and you create opportunities to think differently, to engage differently in your process of, of toward, you know, kind of seeking excellence in your career. I, I love this process. One of the ones that I came across was this idea of changing your thoughts, not about what I want to do this thing, but I, I have done it or I am going to do it. I am of this thing is what you were speaking to. Talk to us about how we train our mind to see opportunity. I love the frame that you use there. Scan for opportunity rather than threat. I, you know, teaching high school kids and working and coaching with high school kids, you see that just writ large, right? This the first thing that I'm assessing is where are the threats to my opportunity, not for success, but for belonging. I, you know, is really the thing that I see. So how do you how do you change? I mean, think about even changing for people this this moving from threat to belonging to opportunity for success. Because that, that seems like they're just, like you said, counterintuitive. They don't align really. And yet here you are saying the world has changed. We need to do it differently. And I agree. What are you, what are you telling your people about think differently? Here are some tools. Well, you and I were talking earlier, right? We both have a coaching background, so I've worked with kids, and yeah, um, you know, whether you know kids or adults, you know, in some ways, I think the kids have the advantage because their their brains are more malleable. Yeah. But um, it, it's the process called metacognition, and and your you know your community might be familiar with with that phrase, and 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 it's kind of the long and the short is it's, it's basically the process of thinking about what you're thinking about. It's about being aware of your thoughts. And, and so, so when we're, when we're looking to change a pattern, the first thing is, is to own the pattern, no judgment, right? So, so, you know, you know, a lot of us really, you know, we're socialized in judgment. And, and so if we can, if we can, first of all, own our pattern or patterns, uh, and then without, without judgment, because, because now if we're, now if we're not in judgment, we have higher self-esteem of our, right. How we look at ourselves sure. and, and, and then we can start to dissect the truth of it. Well, why do I do this? How have I fallen into this pattern? And, and, and then you're aware of your thoughts and, uh, the, um, and I forgive me because I've forgotten the source now. Um, I, I, I use this so many times and I'm sure your, your community has seen this, you know, the, like the average person has somewhere between 60 and 80,000 thoughts a day. Well, yeah. you can't catch 60 to 80,000 thoughts, but you can catch the thought, thoughts you think about. Yeah. So when, when you're aware of, of, you know, like, like I'm an early riser. So I go to the gym at four o'clock in the morning. Well, there's yeah. some mornings it's harder than others. Yeah, no and, doubt. Right. And especially this time of year, right? Because you know, you know, you and I are both in cold climates. And so it's snow on the ground. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, miserable yeah. to get up in the morning. Yeah, right. Yeah, you put, you know, it's not like just putting shorts on and go, you put sweatpants on and all this other stuff. But but when my alarm goes off at four o'clock, okay, I most mornings, you know, my brain's scanning for a reason why I shouldn't go. And and it's a matter of overriding that thought. And being aware of that thought, right? Because sure, at four o'clock in the morning, your, your, your body's tired until it's not, until you get up and running and then you're fine. 
And, but it's a matter of being aware, aware of those thoughts. And, and, and I, and I think really not being in judgment is, is really critical. I, I completely agree. I, I want to jump in here because I, I recently spoke about this topic, you know, judgment. Where do you get the discipline? What is your practice been to bring you to a place where judgment isn't first thought? Because so much, like you said, we've been socialized to do it. I even think like we've been, we've evolved to do it, right? Like we are supposed to decide good or bad. Like, does, does this help me survive? Does this not help me survive? Is this a threat? Is this not a threat? We, we've been socialized. We've evolved to do it. We're fighting against a lot of brain chemistry. We're fighting against a, a lot of momentum, right? And I think most social processes are momentum driven. Staying, you're in bed. It's way easier to stay in bed. You're, you're moving. Like you said, now it's easier to just keep moving that moment of change from bed to out of bed is much easier when it's done from a place of non-judgment. What have you done to bring yourself to that place? Because I think for many of us, the first instinct is judgment. There has to have been a practice of some sort. And I come back to this all the time in the podcast. Like It has to be a practice. You have to do it consistently and build some things. So what's your practice to try to attempt to do less judgment? Well, it's good. Right. Great question. So we, to your point about how we've been, pro- I'll just say how we've been programmed. Yeah, sure. We, we're programmed in a binary sense. Yeah. Two options, right, wrong, left, right, white, black, pick, pick, pick any one of them. Okay. So we're programmed that way. But when we drop into curiosity and we're curious about like my thinking or how did I get there? Well, when we're, because you can't be in curiosity and judgment at the same time. So we, we leave a binary thought process, which is very judgment-based, okay? You know, you're right, I'm wrong. Um, we leave that and we go to curiosity. Well, now all of a sudden, curiosity, it's like looking at the stars at night. Yeah. You know, there's no light bleed from the city. You know, like, like you and I both live in rural communities and there's no light bleed from the city. You go out and you're like, oh my Lord. Like, yeah. Look, it's, it's amazing, right? How, yeah. Like that's where your curiosity lives when you have those moments. And, and then how do you take a moment like that and you kind of like live it every day where I'm going to be curious about this thing or I'm going to be curious about why, why am I thinking this way? Or, or triggers, being yeah. really curious about your triggers. And, 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 and once you become curious, you can't be in judgment. Yeah, I, I love that. I, you know, being a, a relatively new dad, I have plenty hey, of triggers, right? Congratulations. I have, yeah. <laughs> thanks. I mean, we're, we have a three and a one year old. And so I have a plenty of triggers that were, I'm like, why, why was that so frustrating? Why was that so irritating to me? And like most of it comes back to, well, I wasn't able to do that thing. So like, why should they be able to do that thing? Or I, I see it as it's a lack of discipline or it's a lot, you know, like, yeah. And they don't know that yet. They haven't, they haven't been in a place where they would possibly understand that or can understand that because, you know, they're they're completely unable. I love that you said this, like, obviously, you know, like be curious, not judgmental, the Walt Whitman quote and Ted Lasso famously, right. Right. Brought us to that place. And, And I use that, you know, be curious, not judgmental. That's obviously the thing. 
and and curiosity is nuanced. I think that's that's the piece that I get to, right? When judgment is binary, one or the other, curiosity has a nuance to it that allows us to think maybe there's more than one option. Maybe there's maybe there's, you know, I again, this is a thing I use in in my own relationships, my with my wife, particularly. Like she's in she's a the person, I'm an a person at meaning. There's the answer in her world and in my world, I'm in, there's an answer and probably many answers, you know? And so when we open the door to curiosity, we open the door to that nuance. It's not this way or this way. It's multiple different ways, but that provides some uncertainty, right? That provides, well, is this the best answer? You know, like, again, we get into judgment about that. I, I think about this idea that you wrote about change. And I think the thing that is the least comforting about change is all the uncertainty, all the what ifs, all the maybes about it. Why should we keep chasing change when we've been there before? We've failed, we've done it, and ugh, we we know it's pro- we're probably going to fail yeah. again. Well, well, I I don't look at I don't look at failure. I I don't. Yeah. It's actually it's actually kind of not in my vernacular. You know, everything is a learning opportunity. And, um, um, you know, I have an 11 year old grandson who's a great athlete. He's, tw- he's 12 today, actually. Yeah. And, um, and he's a great athlete. And I was sharing a story with him that, that, that the, the football game that I had the absolute most fun in, we lost. Yeah. I had more fun in that game. And I was able, and I was young, you know, and I was able to walk off the field and, and, and I, and I looked at the scoreboard, we lost by a point, you know, one of those deals, but I was like, I couldn't have done any better. Yeah. And, and, and so I think, you know, change, change is how we got where we are today and change is the only way that we're going to get to where we're going. Like there's no really alternative. And, and, and I always look at, I always look at, at, at change as one of these things that in our, our in our business practice, uh, we've over the years done a lot with mergers and acquisitions. And uh, I've applied you know, some of my, you know, my life lessons from athletics and, and other business um, ventures and personal coaching opportunities that I've had to, to understand that that when either we're when we're working with a group of people taking them through change or whether or or whether we're going through change ourselves which sometimes they can be synonymous that change happens to us one of two ways it either happens to you or with you now nobody likes things to happen to them but if you can embrace the moment and 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 kind of get synchronized with it now, now there's flow and change is happening with you and you're part of it. And, and then you get the opportunity to decide, well, how do, how do, how do I want this to turn out? What's the outcome that I want? But, but if something's happening to you, you, whether it's physically true or mentally true, and sometimes it can be both, yeah. you don't have, you, 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 just mentally, okay? You're not in a space where you're going to attract the right outcome. Because, because at some level, and this is where truth is a really, you know, honesty without judgment. It's, it's, it's a little bit of witchcraft. Honesty without judgment. If, if I've fallen to victim mode, 
I am not going to get the right outcome. Why, why do you think that is? Like, I'm, I, I, I hear that and I believe it's true. I'm with you in this. What is your thought process around why that happens? Why, why we fall into victim mode? Yeah. Well, why we fall in, why when we fall into victim mode, it essentially guarantees the outcome is not what we had hoped for. Yeah. Well, the outcome's random. You've surrendered. You've, you've, sure. you've surrendered um, your uh, sovereign right to determine your outcome. Yeah. And, and so, and I, I think it's for a lot of reasons, Jamie, I, you know, you can yeah. I go back thousands of years. A lot of it just has to do with hierarchy. Yeah. You know, how long have we lived in, in, in hierarchical environments? Now I'm not saying that we should have anarchy. Okay. Yeah. But, but hierarchy is a really funny thing because, you know, you know, like, like you, we've all been in meetings where, where there's been either the, the loudest voice or, or someone who is in a, who has a role which you know has a higher level of authority and people just agree even though they even though it's not really what they think yeah and, and so i think i think the the hierarchical nature of our society and society is over thousands of years i mean is as in some ways leaves leads to some type of a victim mentality that's probably an entirely different discussion yeah but, no but I, I i take your point i feel like there's a submission right there's a submission right. to the outcome it's it's you talk about like removing your sovereignty. Well, what is sovereignty, right? The legitimate use of power, right? Yeah. If you if you go from uh, a political science sort of definition, right? The legitimate yeah. use of power, yeah. the legitimate use of force. So we when we submit to a lack of sovereignty, when we re- remit ourselves from the power in the situation, obviously the outcome is going to be determined by some force other than ourselves, right? right? I, I love, I just love the way that. You know, I'm a language guy. So using a word like sovereignty just brought it all the way home to me, right? We we don't think that our power is legitimate. And so we give it away. Well, and 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 you know, that's not a phrase that's natural to me. I learned that from somebody else. And I I one of the things that I'm I I feel that I've been gifted is every time I get the opportunity to work with somebody, it's an opportunity for me to for me to learn and actually work on myself. Yeah. And you know we're all we're we are all geniuses, all of us. Regardless of what anybody told you, regardless of of what of of what you might think or how you were brought up, you know I I love this concept again, not mine of course. I love this concept that that you know that between our first breath and our our, our first inhale and our last exhale that. That's where all that's where it all happens. We all get we all have the same opportunity. It's simply a matter of how we apply ourselves. And and you can take a look at people who are who are born into fortune, you know, or in, born into more fortunate opportunities, you know, lives and don't make the most of it. And you take people who are born into modest opportunities and and thrive. And you know, so so I I I, I think that that in a that in a contemporary sense, we're in a much different you know period of time than than in any other time on the planet. You know, change is happening really exponentially. Yeah. And, and um, we, we, we kind of get out of that. If we can get out of that binary thinking and, and understand that this is not happening to me, this can happen with me. And once, it's, once, I'm, with, once I'm with the momentum, then I have every opportunity to design the outcome. That's so what are the places where we f- make mistakes in doing that, right? What are some of our pitfalls 
right? Because when we try and make change, I think, uh, you know, for me, I even doing this for a living and knowing this and having conversations with people like you who draw my attention to the power of it, I still am a little bit reticent and I still make pretty big mistakes like wanting it to happen tomorrow, I think is one of the big pitfalls we fall into. What are the other things that you see when people attempt to make big changes in their life, trying to attempt to rewrite the story that, you know, the path that they're on and for some reason they don't continue. Right. I, I think that's the tragedy, right. Is that when people just decide to opt out rather than opt in, what things drive us to opting out? Well, well, I think, you know, you and me, we're all in good company. So, yeah. there's plenty of us that share that. So I'm, I'm there with you. I have the same, I have the same issues that everybody else does, you know? And I, I, I was actually taking a, uh, a class the other night and, and one of the, and so I'm a lifelong learner you know, I never finished yeah. college, but you know, for me, I, I just, I love to learn. I just love yeah. it. And, and I was taking a class the other night and one of the challenges in the class was, was, um, uh, what's one thing that you have to be honest with yourself about that you're not. Yeah. And, and, and so, so I, yeah, I have a journal. So I, I was in my journal and I wrote it down and I looked at it, you know, and I was like, huh, because I know it's something I do. Yeah. And, and even when I do it, I'm aware of it. And I'm like, Oh, right. You just did that again. Okay. Yeah. You did it again. Yeah. And then, but you haven't done anything about it. So so, you know, I think it goes back to that honesty thing. But I, I think the reason why we have a hard time sticking with things is let's just to say the, the to develop a habit takes uh, four to six weeks. It depends. It could be longer. It could be less. Depends yeah. on who you are. But let's just say it's four to six weeks. And, and the way we develop our habits are with neural connections. And, and so when we repeat things over and over and over again, we, we develop neurological wiring. And the longer we do it, the, the, the connection called the synaptic connection to, to, that, uh, you know, to that habit, to that action becomes stronger and stronger and stronger. So I look at habits that we're either, we're either building a habit or we're dissolving a habit. Because let's just, just say it takes six weeks. And, and I think what happens is that because we're so naturally distracted that, that if we don't understand it, 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 that, that it's going to take me six weeks for this, for this synaptic connection in my brain to be wired, it's like wiring a house, okay? You know, if you want the electricity to turn on, turn on you know, in that room, well, it's got to be plugged into something. And... And so, uh, you know, understanding and being patient with yourself to your point. So you got to be patient with yourself and understand that. Um, and I, I just, I just did a, um, a session the other day and we were talking about it. And my, my recommendation was if you're going to do something, keep a calendar, yeah. just, just pretend it's going to take six weeks. Yeah. And then every day you check off, you're one day closer to the end of that six weeks. And, yeah. and now it's not a mystery. Well, and I, like I look at, you know, again, working with kids, I can ask this question and 
some adults out there are going to know what I'm talking about. I apologize to some of you that might not, but right with Snapchat, there's a streaks feature, right? right? And people will, kids will open their Snapchat, take a picture of nothing, right? The desk, the floor, just so that the streak isn't broken, just so that they can continue saying, I sent a message to this person who's my friend and I care about every day for 700 days, right? There's power in the streak. So having a visual calendar, this is something I do with the leadership teams yeah. that I work with yeah. also, like, like leader, have a calendar that shows you that Absolutely. you're still having a streak and that you're not breaking that opportunity. You say six weeks, I've, I've seen studies that talk about 80 days, you know, that's, right. that's three months. That's not, that's 12 weeks. That's double right. that time frame. you know, and, and they, all right, 21 days to build a habit is kind of the old, the old, yeah saying or whatever it is, but they're like, yeah, that's possible, but it might be 120 days. And so opening again, not a binary, it's going to be six weeks. Six weeks is just a, is an unbelievable start. I, I try to communicate progress as often as possible in my coaching process. How do you communicate that progress? Because I think that's a thing where we can, we can continue to point to keep going because look at how far you've come already and imagine how far you're going to go. Yeah, that, I love that idea about about a calendar. That's that that that's a great idea. Yeah, you're right. It could be six weeks, could be eighty days. Yeah, and and, and depends on the nature of it. You know, yeah. if it's a substance abuse issue, well, you know, that's 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 going to be deeper. Yeah, and it might not ever really go away, right? You still are going to have to fight it every single time. Yeah, and yeah. God, yeah. But you know, you know, you know what 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 it's the visualization process, and and you know, I'm sure your community's you know, familiar with the visualization process um, where that, you know, if you can, if you can feel, if you can visualize and then have that visualization, visualization drop down into a feeling about how good you're going to feel, or if you give in, maybe how bad you're going to feel, right. But one way or the other, that how good you're going to feel um, and you can, and you can kind of keep that sensation uh, in you, I think it's I think it's easier to to, to stick with things, um, and um, the you know getting getting to that you know getting to that point. I think every every day is kind of is kind of reminding yourself of you know am I on mission? Am I on task? How am I going to feel? You know I'm going to feel great when I finish this. You know if I don't finish it, you know, or if I kind of give in, I'm not going to feel as good. I know that right. And, 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 and kind of not necessarily living in the moment. If you can kind of get beyond that moment, right. Yeah. Um, you know, you get, get beyond that moment of the trigger, whether it's the trigger, you know, not to do something, um, you know, then, then it, and it's all about building your self-awareness, I think. Right. Uh, yeah, no uh, doubt. I, yeah, completely agree in that regard, because if you aren't aware that you're doing it, if you're, if you aren't conscious and like, I mean, I go to like Daniel Kahneman thinking fast and slow about how our subconscious process tries to shortcut the brain as often as possible. It wants to take out that really energy needy, highly developed brain. Right. And so when, when we get into habits of behavior that we can push into the subconscious that we do automatically, it's just a more efficient process for our body. So it's going to naturally go there whenever possible. We have to slow down, right? Yeah. The body wants to go fast. The mind wants to go fast. 
like with my three-year-old, I say this all the time, just slow down, like, hold on, slow, slow your body down so that you can make the choice that you want to make rather than the choice that is going to cause you hardship or disappointment or frustration. So much of the mental skill stuff that I do, I just see like for me being valuable as a parent, because I've never done this before, right? It's every day is change in some way. What does it look like to slow down and feel and understand the consciousness? The thing that you said that strikes home with me, because a lot of what what I think about is cognitive behavioral therapy, right? Thoughts leads to feelings, feelings leads to actions, right? right? So how do we how do we actually acknowledge or prepare for the right the feelings we want to have? I don't know that's a that that's a conversation we've ever had on this show and yet it's something i intuitively makes a ton of sense to me because you want to be thinking about the the thing you're going to feel when it's accomplished the thing you're going to the the pride the satisfaction the whatever the the feelings from your family from your your loved ones what are some I've said a bunch of them right now, obviously, but what are some of the feelings you direct your people towards to be thinking about to say, think about this as an outcome. Don't, don't be thinking about how hard it is. Don't be thinking about the challenge. Don't be thinking, what, what are you moving people to think about? Because that can be powerful as a tool for the people listening right now. Well, you know, you talked about, uh, you know, subconscious, right? Well, the subconscious mind controls 95% of what we do in in our conscious mind only only controls 5%, you know, and, you know, these are widely talked about, um, you know, percentages and relationships. So this isn't anything new, but the, but the understanding of the fact that you're not going to move, you were, you were not going to move, let's say a hundred pound weight with five pounds of force. That's yeah. just, that's not going to happen. Right. And, and, and so we try to change our 95% of our programming with 5% and it doesn't work. And, and we remember most things in our lives based on how we feel. Yeah. It's a sensation in your body. Yeah. Right. You know, and the, and the body's got a great memory. And I actually give you really, a really a good example. Now I'll, I'll get to the question. So I, I had a hamstring injury this past summer and I'm just getting back to running again, just a couple of months ago. And, um, and, and I was surprised actually how long it took for, for me to recover, but yeah. But anyway, so I'm on the treadmill and I'm like a six, five to start. And then I end at seven, seven, two speed, something like that. Sure. I can't do that right now. So I'm starting at like five and a half, yeah. which seems slow to me, but I'm constantly out running the tread and I'm bumping into the console, yeah. right? Because my body remembers, my body remembers. Now this has been five months. My body remembers a six, five to seven, two speed. Yeah. Yeah. Super fascinating. So as I'm bumping into the treadmill, thank God it's 4 30 in the morning. There's not a lot of people in there. But as I'm bumping into the treadmill, right? You know, I'm like, I was on, I I was like, wow, my body remembers that. Yeah. And and so we we can only change that the like the program that's running in the background if we become aware that the program's running in the background. Yeah. And that goes all the way back to that metacognition thing. It's like drop down into curiosity, no judgment. Why do I do this? Oh, right. I've been doing this ever since I was a kid. I had this experience, you know, whatever, whatever it is, 
But once you become aware of it, then you can change it. But if you're not aware of it, you're just going to just mindlessly do it. And if you think about, think about in a modern sense about a laptop computer. So I go to a website and the web, a retail website, I go to Amazon and I see the Amazon screen and I can buy these things and all that stuff. That's only 5% of Amazon. The other part, what's really running it is the programming behind it. Yeah, the code. Yeah, it's the code. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, that's that's a much better way to look at it. It's the code. Yeah. And 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 so if we understand what our coding is, then then we get the opportunity to go in and tinker with it. And and you know one of the things that I think I think is kind of cool is that this isn't about the destination. It's only about the journey because the destination actually, like the journey never ends. We just keep going. So, so you know, it's, it's an endless opportunity to keep tinkering with this thing called me. Yeah. Well, and I think there's two things that I hear there that I think are really important. One, a lot of us assume that our programming is fixed, that we Mm -hmm. can't, I mean, that's the fixed growth mindset, Carol Dweck stuff, right? I love it. Yeah. And I think about, you know, like, for example, Twitter recently bought by Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. And what did he do? Like, I'm not saying good, bad, indifferent. Everybody can have an opinion about this. I'm not trying to have an opinion about it. What I'm saying is that he said, let's update the code. Let's update the way that this runs so it's more efficient. Let's, you know, like, no website that you're on, you know, and I, I, I mean, I have 30 tabs open probably all the time when I'm right, especially doing research. Like, if I'm researching yeah. something, I have so many tabs open, but only yeah. one is ever in the foreground. That's right. All those other ones are running in the background on automatic, right? They're on uh, autopilot, right? That's the way that our brain works. And so, so first of all, I just think every website, every place is constantly updating their code. I even think like, you know, and we talk about code and programming and stuff because we're a computerized generation, go back 50 or 60 years, the mechanized generation, they'd have been talking about machines constantly need to be updated and constantly need to be tinkered with so that they continue to run in the way that they're supposed to run. You know, go back farther than that. Agriculturally, like we're constantly tending and feeding and, you know, taking care of the crop. It's never done. It's always Always. in process. The second thought, you know, having won state championships as a coach, and I've said this before, and as as I've talked to really successful coaches on here, it's, it's awesome. And it's, we, we've arrived at the destination. We think that we've gotten there and what's the, not the first thought you have, but maybe the fifth thought you have, how do we do it again? It's, it's never, over because you got there right it's there's always another challenge there's always another opportunity to grow to change to challenge you know i like i i very distinctly remember coming off of i mean we're we're the small class team and we ran like the second or third best time in a race all time in that class and i was like my my first instinct is how do we break it next year Right. Like that. I mean, we had done it pretty frequently. We had run really good numbers and we had, and we come, we go and we win a state championship. We have this amazing time. And I'm like, how do we break it? It's it's almost the first thought I had. I'm like, oh man, so close. How do we break it? That's the nature of human beings. Yeah. Well, I always, that kind of reminds me talking about running. That reminds, you know, the story of Roger Bannister, right? Yeah. Where, where back at what was it, early 50s when he broke the four minute mile and, and, 
and the medical community said it can't be done. That that the human lung capacity, like we just don't we don't have the cardiovascular system to run faster than that. And and you talk about a you know about breaking paradigms and visualization. Yes, yeah. He wrote he wrote. You, you probably know the story better than I do. You know, being a runner, he, he wrote what three three minutes fifty nine seconds in a slip of paper and put it in his shoes every every day that he ran, yeah. and, and and it was to break the paradigm. And he could, and, and it was a form of visualization, but, but he also said, he also said that, that this is, this is an unnatural restriction you're putting this, this is not, this, this isn't right, you know, and, 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 uh, and, and he decided to, to just to break the paradigm and forget what he was being told. Yeah. And there's, I mean, to break the, some- like to to rewrite the code, right? The, the right, code says the code. we can do this actually, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Thank you. Right. To, to rewrite the code. Yeah. And, and now, you know, a hundred high schoolers a year run right. some four minute, right? Like yeah. when we, when we break the paradigm, right. when we change the restrictions, the box that we live in, we open the floodgates of possibility over time. I think that's the big thing. When I think about change, the, the catalyst that is often ignored is time, right? It becomes exponential when we give it enough time. It becomes hard when we limit the time. But where does the limit come from? Judgment, right? I think, you know, like we, it, it just, it, it's built into the fabric of the conversation we've been having, right? Change is, is not easy. It's hard. It's, it's challenging. And it's made much, much more difficult when, when we are not honest or self-aware, when we want to judge consistently, it makes it hard and unenjoyable. Maybe, maybe my last question and the question I really want to leave people with, how do we make this a fun process? How do we make change a thing we long for that we seek after? Like you said, change is how we got here and it's the only way we're going to get where we're going but it's daunting. It's challenging. It's frustrating. Yeah. How can we make that fun? Yeah. Well, I, you know, this is for the holiday season, right? So, so think about when you were a little kid and you woke up Christmas morning and you went down under the tree, you didn't know what you're going to get. Yeah. It was super exciting. Right. And, and change is that change, change can be that way. You know, I actually, I, I think it is that way. Yeah. It's that every day I get to wake up. And I get a new experience. I get to learn something new. I get to I get to make a course correction for you know where I want to go. Um, you know, it, it it it's one of those things where it is fun because because it's really the only way you're going to get to where you're going to go. You're, you're not change is the only way. You know, there's a hermetic principle that you know all things vibrate. Everything everything's in a constant state of change. And the truth of it is. The equipment that you and I are talking on, you know, the, the, the desk I'm sitting at and everything is in a constant state of change. It's just simply a matter of how long it takes. And, and so if we can understand that and understand that our relationships change over time, our condition change over time, our, you know, our opportunities continually change daily. And, and if we if we embrace that, uh, then it's really like Christmas morning every day. Yeah, and that, that's how I like to look at it.
I love it. Un- unwrap the gift of change every single day. Get excited about what's under the tree. Like, yeah. what a what a cool way to think. It's a mindset shift. That's I mean, like that's what it is. It's a shift in thinking about what does it mean to get to experience change, not to have to, not to not to have it done to you, but to do it with that process, like to to opt in. And and I I just think that's that's so much fun. I. I love it. I, I wish I was better at it. I think we all do. And I know exactly what you said. It's the only way we're getting where we're going. So we we might as well em, embrace that reality. Thank you, Chris. I'm so grateful that you joined me. I really enjoyed the conversation. Is there somewhere that people can connect with you? You know, is there socials, these sort of things? Where, where can we where can we connect with what you do? Yeah. Uh, thanks, Jamie. It's been great to be with you and, and your community as well. So uh, they can just go to chrismassiello.com and then that will uh, uh, get you uh, access to where my book is. And and uh, there's all sorts of podcasts on there and, and videos. So. Awesome. Appreciate that. Check it out. Support what Chris is doing. It's great stuff. Thanks again. Sure. Thank you, Jamie. Thanks again to Chris. Uh, cool conversation. I love getting to do this, getting to have these opportunities to meet new people. Chris, the New Englander, uh, currently being dumped on with snow, just like us in the Midwest, uh, just like John out West. It's that time of year where we, where we wish it would change outside, but we have control of what we can change in our homes, in our businesses, in our lives. We get to we get to choose that stuff. Some major takeaways that I took from today. I think one of the first things he said, right? Scanning for opportunity, not scanning for threat. We have been programmed. We have been coded to see threat. We don't have to anymore. Our world is super connected. Our opportunities are infinite in some ways. We will not chase them unless we see them. We have to be looking for them. That's going to require a different way of thinking. To make the types of change that we want to, we have to see their opportunity to do that. And then we have to see examples, as we've talked about a number of times in the show, of who's done it. The second major takeaway that I think is is really powerful is honesty without judgment. Knowing and being aware of who you are is something, again, that we've discussed on this podcast before, knowing what you're thinking, knowing how and why you respond the way that you do. But then can you do it without saying it was good or bad, without saying it has to be fixed or solved, but rather just to say, that's what I do. Then, without judgment, assess, does this help me get to where I want to go? Does this help the journey? Does it make the path easier or does it make it harder? I know for myself, when I'm focused in on those triggers, like Chris talked about, when I notice my triggers, I almost always realize that that thing that's triggered in me is from a place that has nothing to do with the person or the action externally. It's all inside. I, I mentioned the Ted Lasso quote. If you haven't seen it, it's from season one, 
episode seven or eight, something like that. But he talks about curious, not judgmental. And in his monologue, he says this, he goes, who I am had nothing to do with it. Meaning when people judged me, who I was and what I was doing had nothing to do with it. It was about them. When we're triggered and when we notice it, we often will stop the wounding behavior that follows. What I think is challenging is that when that trigger happens, we assume it's about someone else. We assume it's a behavior that they did. And then we lash out. We wound, whether it's we give them the silent treatment, we, we don't want to talk to them, we judge them, we think that they're less worthy. We create a wound. We create a barrier that then needs to be overcome. When it comes to our work relationships or our coaching relationships with kids, with athletes, with people we lead, the last thing we want to do is create another barrier to our best performance. Honesty without judgment. The last thing I would just encourage you all with is, can you approach each opportunity for change as if it's a gift that you're uncertain of what you're going to get, but you know it's going to bring good things because we cannot get to where we want to go without some sort of change today. Some of that change is really hard. We've been through some of that recently. Change that we don't want. Change that breaks our hearts and leaves us in tears. And yet, what are we going to do with that information? How are we going to continue to live in such a way that chases who we want to become and the types of feelings we want to get when we get there? Because we're not really going to get there ever. We have to be on this journey together. Thank you for joining us on this journey. And thanks again to Chris for, for growing us and pushing us, challenging us to think differently. If you find value here, share, rate, review, subscribe, give it away. Give it to people that you think need it or can be helped. And as always, live eyes up.